hard not to hear that stuff, uh, especially in, in today's age and social media and everything like that. And so you hear um, how, how not good we're going to be. Um, and all you can do is prove it on the football field. I'm not a guy that's going to re respond and say stuff back to people or anything like that on social media. It's all dog around his mug. I mean, that's not up for my judgment. You know, I, I was hoping he would let it go, but of course, you know, he's a ref. It's a big game. Um, and it, was, it was a hold, so they called it. Bob pants you uh, answered the question last night about next season but what about longer term what, what, what's your not holding you to it but uh, what's your longer term plan I, I know I got asked that a lot and I wasn't really expecting to but I I hadn't put much thought into all that I'm enjoying what I'm doing and got this guy over here that is a pretty good player so I mean I'm, we're, we're doing okay just crush my dreams boom sadness that's the one I got to ask this to Jared, as this Chiefs fan. Did you really buy into no one respected and no one picked them? Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about Travis Kelsey doing Um, that. I will say, I picked the Bengals against them. So, as a Chiefs fan, I didn't believe in them. And then I immediately, like, was hoping for, like, if they lose, I was hoping, like, well, you know, they're injured to the Eagles. So, I didn't feel super confident going into this thing. So, but yeah, no, everyone believed in them. Kelsey. They were underrated. Yeah, after both games. Yes. So, okay. Before the season, there was a legitimate conversation about the Chiefs taking a step back. Because they lost Hill. Is somebody else going to yeah. win the AFC West? Right. That Buffalo, was a legitimate conversation. Buffalo was the popular pick. Right. But Kansas City was still favored to win the AFC West. Even though people thought, oh, they might fall back this year, they were still uh, the best true. team in the AFC. Rich West. Eisen specifically said that the Las Vegas Raiders <laughs> book it. And also, there was never a point where the Chiefs were not one of the favorites. They might no. not have been the number one uh, team no, the but entire they were, time. They were among there was, them. There was never a time where they were where, the Golden Knights. They were always among them. There was never, yeah, it was never. Oh, the Chiefs are the twelfth best team in the league. Right. They were always. Oh, maybe they're the third best team in right. the league this year. So, they lost to the Colts. That did happen. <laughs> not the not the Jeff Saturday. Not Colts, Jeff though. Saturday wasn't the coach. That's when we thought the Colts were still going to be worth something too. Yeah, we thought Matt Ryan gonna fix it. We thought that. So there you go on the Andy Reed quotes there, by the way, if he, who's, I don't know who's a good quarterback to use. Let's just use Alex Smith. I know, but if Alex Smith was his quarterback, they never draft Mahomes and Smith was just still his quarterback. He's already retired or he's somewhere else. He's already retired. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes is his quarterback. He's yeah. not retiring. No. Why would that guy, why would he, why would he go anywhere at this point? He's going to, if Andy Reid just sticks to Mahomes, and that's unfair, Andy Reid's a good coach, but if he's just like, I got this Mahomes guy for a decade, Andy Reid might win like three more Super yeah. Bowls. I think this is the most fun Andy Reid has had in a All very right. long right. time. Play the sound. This, okay. is, this is Peter King and Andy Reid. They are talking about the Kadarius Tony touchdown. Go, me too. I'm going to give you a name for it. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's called Corn Dog. So it's called what? Corn Dog. It's not called Corn Dog. Oh, yeah, Is it called corn dog? There's nothing better than a good corn dog with some mustard and, and uh, ketchup. But he doesn't step into the huddle and say corn dog. Oh no, he says corn dog. He does. <laughs> so Pat Mahomes <laughs> says huddle up, corn dog on two they on the center up. on the center, <laughs> and they say corn dog on two, corn dog, <laughs> and that's all he says. There's 
There's so much I love about that. First off, the play being called Corn Dog is incredible. Right. The second part is Andy Reid, while talking about a play that his team scored a touchdown on in the Super Bowl, takes a moment to be like, there's nothing better than a corn dog with ketchup and mustard on it. Like, his team won the Super Bowl. He's breaking down how smart he is and why they won it. And he's like, wait a minute. Have you had a corn dog before? Those things are great. I also love Peter King's disbelief. At, that all he well, says okay. is corn dog in the huddle. It's at called corn dog, but he doesn't go into the yeah. He no, doesn't yeah. go to the huddle. Yeah, and yeah say he does. That. <laughs> it. That's Peter the King, name of the play. Peter King doesn't believe at first that the play's even called corn dog. He's like, it's not called right. corn dog. And then Andy Reid's over here talking about ketchup and mustard. Why wouldn't it be called corn dog? <laughs> Have you had a corn dog? <laughs> and then he's like, okay, well you call it corn dog. But he actually goes in the huddle and he's like X flat, Y left. Like he's actually saying a play. No, no, he just says corn dog. Phenomenal. Play it again. It's, it's one of my favorite sounds of the entire week. Go me too. I'll give you a name for it. All right? yeah. yeah. It's called corn dog. So it's called what? Corn dog. It's not called corn dog. Oh, yeah. Is it called corn dog? There's nothing better than a good corn dog with some mustard and, and uh, ketchup. But he doesn't step into the huddle and say corn dog. Oh, no, he says corn dog. He does. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does. <laughs> I love so the great. I love the fact that he's in the huddle just saying that. Yeah. He's like All corn right. dog on two. Corn dog. Um uh which it was me Cole Hardman, one of the Chiefs, uh after the game or something, tweeted just corn dog with like three exclamation points. <laughs> <laughs> like just yeah, oh yeah, that was corn dog. Obviously, guys, that was corn dog. How great does it have to be as a player that they're because they said this after the the whatever the ring around the rosy the snow globe yeah, play, the snow globe play. That there's like a designated practice each week where they just go, coach, watch what we came up with, <laughs> and he goes, and he goes, all yeah, right, cool. show it to me, let's go. Well, here, okay, the actual best football part of the play corn dog is that it's actually like really good scheme because Mita Kimes did a uh, whatever video breakdown on this. Kadarius Tony scored a touchdown this year on a jet sweep. They brought him in motion from right to left. He got the jet sweep and he scored a touchdown. And that's a play that they've run with other guys too. The play he scored a touchdown on, he starts in motion yeah. like he's going on a jet sweep right. and then stops as the ball is snapped right. and goes back and goes to where back he came from. wide open. And I can't remember which Eagles uh, defensive back it was, but the Eagles defensive back that has Tony when he sees him go in motion, starts pointing and presumably yelling like jet, jet sweep, sweep and overruns it because he's like, I got to get there because right. this is going to be a jet sweep and he's going to score. And because he's running and pointing and all that, Tony, Tony just, just stops. has to drift back yeah. and he's wide open. And that's why it's, it's a phenomenal play that was set up by, hey, we've run this play before. The Eagles are going to know about it. What's a counter to it? It's a phenomenal football play. And the Chiefs like, yeah, we call it a corn duck. Did Why? Because Andy Reid ate one for lunch. Does he, Who knows? Does he mix the ketchup and mustard? <laughs> or do you have one side down, one side the other? I mean, I, I had know, corn dogs. You have corn dogs? Oh, corn dogs are great. They're Andy Reid is 100% Yeah, they right. are great. Corn dogs are wonderful. I just, again, the the best part of the audio is, corn, uh, you know, corn dog is great with mustard. And, <laughs> and he forgets, it's almost like he forgets the word ketchup in there yeah. somewhere. But he's just like, you know, how you eat a corn dog? You Peter, you haven't had a corn dog? Have e I might have asked you guys this before. Have either of you had a Korean corn dog? 
No, I just technically have... they're called Korean hot dogs, but they're corn dogs. I have the uh, Costco boxed ones. Okay, so uh, there's there's a good play. <laughs> there's restaurants that are Korean corn dogs, and there's different ways you can get it. But the main one, it's it's a normal corn dog, right? But they put sugar on the outside of it. It is unbelievably good. So you I, don't really have to add anything. To I it. never in my mind would have thought, oh, I want sugar on the corn dog, but it is. So good. Like, un- like I want one right now. I'm going to go get one for lunch today. They're unbelievable how good these are. And you can also, like, get instead of whatever the hell is normally the breading of a corn dog, like a potato. It's like diced potato is the breading of the corn dog. You can also just get it with cheese inside instead of the hot dog. They're phenomenal. They're great. Wait, no dog, but just cheese? You could get it, yeah, if you want it with just cheese on the so inside. like a mozzarella stick right. with sugar. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, phenomenal. The, I always get the regular corn dog. But if one. you get the regular corn dog, what do you put on it? So you can get it with just sugar, which I think is actually my preferred way to eat it. Because can you just get a regular corn dog? You could tell them no sugar, yes. Okay. Yeah, they put the sugar on it right in front of you. So, yeah, you could tell them no sugar, and then they have condiments that okay. you can put on it. But I think the best way to do it, even though there's good sauces that go on there, I think I like it the most with just the sugar. God, it's so good. I, I, I go ketchup. No, I'm, I'm very I'm very normal person. I just go ketchup. I'm just well, I do ketchup and mustard, but I'm just now thinking like, well, we got our new open. <laughs> Me just, explaining just Korean corn dogs. Tyler explaining a food stuff to Ed, and then Ed just kind of quietly going, I I I just do the normal. I just do ketchup. <laughs> go get a Korean corn dog. <laughs> They're actually yeah, just go down to I I think there's a place Spring Mountain Shanghai Plaza. That's exactly. There's a place think, called Crunchies. Yes, it's so good. At one point, they had a limited edition uh, flaming hot Cheeto corn dog, where they would roll it in. Uh, they'd roll instead of sugar. They'd roll it in, in Cheeto dust. Yeah. It's phenomenal. And go to Somi Somi. There's an ice cream place right next to it that's really good. They give you this little um, fish. It's really good. It's not not real fish. fish. It's a like um like imagine a waffle cone. It's called taiyaki. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know what it actually is, but imagine it's a soft, fluffy waffle cone that comes with your ice cream. With the ice cream in it. Yeah, it's delicious. To our people under 30, what we are learning is that because Tyler's fiance is an enormous weeb, Tyler yes. is completely just like, I love food I love options. random food. Phenomenal. <laughs> Phenomenal food options. It's always great. The thing. anime, little weird sometimes. <laughs> uh, so I can't wait to see what the Chiefs draw up for Korean corn dog. Next year. Oh, it's got to be a new yeah. play, right? Yeah, it's got to add to corn dog. So, d- not to get back to football, one of the other cool things that they did, I want to say it was the Sky Moore touchdown, is they had a guy run across the formation. It was Sky, it was Sky Moore. They had him run across the formation, and then on the, the second time they tried it, he just stopped and went the leaf, turned around right. and went the other direction. They did that to them twice, where they oh. just went have a guy stop. You guys saw they did ring around the rosy again, right? Yeah. 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 Now, yeah. they didn't do it with the offensive linemen. No. When they did it with the Raiders, it was all 11 players. It was everybody. Players. It was everybody. This was the 5-0 linemen went and right. lined up, and then the other uh, did the ring six guys the did ring around the rosy, uh, which I felt bad because I think they had um, an eligible tackle. Like, they had a six tackle right. in, and that poor guy had to do a ring around the rosy and then go block somebody. Well, yeah, that didn't work out for you, but I'm fascinated to know what other plays he calls. Just the names of him? Just the names of him. I just want to know God. the names of his plays now. Do you know how great it is that, like, 
Anytime we get like mic'd up or we get a quarterback talking about the names of plays or like John Gruden's quarterback show, it'll be like 50 words for one play. Yes. And it's like, oh, offensive genius. It takes so long to learn the playbook. Meanwhile, Andy Reid is like, "Uh, hey, hey, Pat, run corn dog. Yeah. (laughs) And if he goes up to the line now and just starts yelling, corn dog, corn dog, corn dog, the defense has to go. Okay, is he audible or is he just <laughs> yelling nonsense at us? People always dress up like Andy Reid and yes. they take like the oh. Denny's menu to pretend to be his play sheet. Right. I now believe the actual play sheet is just a Denny's menu. Grand Slam. Yeah, he's Grand just Slam. over there. He's like, Moon's over my hammy. Now, yeah. What What is sausage links? Is that a good play? Let's run sausage. <laughs> like I now believe that literally is just a menu he has on the sideline. You guys could have gotten fake Andy Reid. I could have gotten you fake Andy Reid. Oh, I saw, I saw him at uh, Radio Row. Yeah, I yeah, saw pictures. And I just was like, I, I hold on. I, important question: Does he sound like Andy Reid? I don't know. Okay, because I'm just like it's I, a visual gag right, for an audio media. Fake I Andy Reid. Him one year when they the year they uh, the year they took the bus trip. Oh, the Raiders took the bus yeah. trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw him in the parking lot and I started talking to him and I quoted him because. You're right. Fake Andy Reid would not work on the radio no, unless he sounded like fake Andy Reid. Right. If if he just if we were asking him questions he's like, "Oh, I love a good corn dog," and sounded just like him, then it might be fun. But if he just yeah, looks like him, it's a visual gag for an audio medium, and I could not like work out a way unless I like texted you ahead of time. Went, I want you guys to ask him real. The joke Adam and I came up with was ask him real questions of like. <laughs> Well, it's kind of weird you're here on Radio Row, but the Eagles coach isn't. But uh, let's break it down. All right. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs today. We're taking a look at Kevin Kruger. Um, I actually have a question for you before I start here. Kevin Kruger has not been to the NCAA tournament in his first year. He's not going to the NCAA tournament in his second year unless they win the Mountain West tournament. So if we assume he doesn't win the Mountain West tournament and they don't go, how big of a deal is it that Kevin Kruger will have not gone to the NCAA tournament in his first two seasons? Big of a deal according to who? Us? Yeah, you. Um, I mean, I think it's, yeah, I think it's a big deal that, you know, he's tried to rebuild here with all these transfers the first two years. Um, I think he's going to get more time to try to build it, though. So I've gotten... few tweets recently about ah you gotta you gotta be patient with Kevin Kruger give him time and all that right I've seen those I went back over the last decade of Mountain West basketball to look at all of the head coaches that have been hired in the Mountain West and we're excluding UNLV because we all are well aware of UNLV's recent history of hiring coaches so the other 10 Mountain West schools have hired 17 new coaches in the last decade the only school not to hire somebody in the last decade is Boise State Leon Rice has been there the entire time so Leon Rice and Boise don't apply to this conversation here. But of those 17, uh, five of them have gone to the NCAA tournament in their first or second season. Craig Neal did it at New Mexico, Eric Musselman at Nevada, Craig Smith at Utah State, Brian Dutcher at San Diego State, and Jeff Linder at Wyoming. Okay. Um, three of those 17 are currently in their second season right now. Uh, Tim Miles, Ryan Odom, and Rich Patino. Um Patino and Odom could make the NCAA tournament in their second Possibly. years this year. Um, they both are sort of the fourth and fifth Mountain West teams right now in terms of getting in, but it's possible that one of those two or even both get in. Miles is not going to, but uh, 
he's still having a great season based on what San Jose State is. So that leaves us with nine coaches, and it'll be eleven. Uh, it'll be twelve after this year when Miles Patino and Odom finish their seasons. But it leaves us with nine coaches hired in the last decade that did not make the NCAA tournament in their first or second seasons. Of those nine, only one of them made the NCAA tournament ever for their school. That's Nico Medved, who did it in his fourth season at Colorado State. Otherwise, you go through those coaches. You've got guys like Paul Weir, four years and done at New Mexico. Alan Edwards, four years and done at Wyoming. Justin Hudson's one of those guys. He's in his fifth year at Fresno State. Has Has not been to the NCAA tournament. He might get fired after this Mm -hmm. season as well. We are dealing with small sample sizes, but these are the recent examples in the Mountain West that it's very, very hard to go to the NCAA tournament if you don't go in your first two seasons. So there's a couple things I find interesting. First off, if you made a list of the best coaches in the Mountain West in the last decade, Eric Musselman's on that list. Yeah. Brian Dutcher's on that list. Craig Smith at Utah State's on that list. Steve Fisher Steve would be, Fisher on, that would be list, on the list. But he didn't he, get hired right. in the last 10 years. But basically, if you take all the best coaches in this conference, they all went to the NCAA tournament in their first two years. Right? It, it's not like there was anybody like Leon Rice maybe is on that list. And he's really the outlier here of a guy that's been at a school forever without having like Boise state's never been awesome. They've had a couple of NCAA tournament appearances, but they've never really been bad either. Craig Neal's sort of the opposite outlier who made the NCAA tournament and then never went back. He went in his first year, never made it back. We'll see with Jeff Linder last year was his second year. He went this year's his third year. They're well, not going, but no, the team's a mess. We can also kind of give them a break because right. his best player never even played a game this year. The other comparison to make is if you're UNLV, which group of Mountain West schools would you want to be associated with? San Diego State, Nevada, Utah State, Wyoming, and New Mexico, or Air Force, San Jose State, Fresno State, and Colorado State? Well, who would you rather be associated right. with? Who do you want to be associated with? I want to be associated with San Diego State and New Mexico. UNLV's not. UNLV is just like Air Force and San Jose State. They have not hired a coach in the last 10 years that went to the NCAA tournament in their first five years. Meanwhile, San Diego State did, Nevada did, Utah State did, Wyoming did, even New Mexico did. There's five schools in this conference that have had a hire, and he immediately went. You want to be associated with those schools. But they're not. They are Air Force and San Jose State. That's who they're associated with over the last decade. Now, let's go back to Nico Medved, because that's what Kevin Kruger is going to have to basically do. He's going to have to be the second in a decade to go to the NCAA tournament without going in one of his first two seasons. Nico Medved took over a bad Colorado State team. They were 224 in Ken Palm the year before Medved got there. And Colorado State was bad in Medved's first season. They went 12 and 20. But in year two, they won 20 games. They went 11 and 7 in the Mountain West. They were 99th in Ken Palm. So a big improvement from his first year. In year three, they went 14 and 4 in the Mountain West, 76th in Ken Palm. Still didn't make the NCAA tournament, though. And then in year four, which was last season, 14 and four in the mountain West. They were 25 and eight overall. They were a top 50 Ken Palm team. They got a six seed in the NCAA tournament. Didn't win a game, but they did make it. Well, nobody in the mountain West. Nobody in the mountain West wins games. (laughs) Now, if we're comparing here, Kruger didn't inherit a team quite as bad as Nico Medved, right? It wasn't good, but it still, it wasn't two twenty four in Ken Palm. Um, And Kruger did improve the team, though, from Otzelberger's last year to his first season. They were 90th in Ken Palm last year. And they're 84th this year. So 
However, this finish season finishes will determine if they're actually better, if they're about the same, but that's kind of comparable to Medved's second and third season where they were 99th and 76th in Ken Palm where hey, you're top 100, but you're not really good enough to go to the NCAA tournament. But there's two main differences in what Medved had at Colorado state and what we've seen from Kruger so far at UNLV. The first one is Nico Medved won games in the mountain West. His second season, even though they weren't very good, they still went 11 and seven in the mountain West. Kevin Kruger is five and eight this year. Kevin, even if they win the rest of their games, will not have as good of a record as Nico Medved did in his second season. Medved went seven, 11, 11 and seven, and then back to back 14 and four years. He showed clear improvement in the conference. Kruger has not done that. We have not yeah. seen that UNLV has seen improvement right. in Mountain West play. Medved did it in his second year. Kruger has not. And we, what we have seen swept by Fresno state, not competitive with San Diego state. Those aren't good signs for being a good Mountain West team. The other problem, the other main difference here, Nico Medved's two best players on the team that went to the NCAA tournament were David Roddy and Isaiah Stevens. Mm -hmm. Those two players were both in their third year with the program when they went to the NCAA tournament. Nico Medved got there. He got Stevens. He got Roddy. And that was his core. And three years later, they were really, really good. That's not going to happen for Kevin Kruger. His best player in year one was Bryce Hamilton, gone. His best player in year two is EJ Harkless, doesn't have any more eligibility. Kevin Kruger's best player on all three teams, his first three years, is going to be a different guy every single time. And even if you try well, to find... Utopia is next year. Well, <laughs> that's, well, right? Yes. So even if you try to find guys on the current roster, and you're like, all right, what, what makes up a core? Harkless has gone after this year. Parquet has gone after this year. McCabe has gone after this year. That's three rotational guys or starters that are gone. Justin Webster, David Mawalka, Victory Waco, Luis Rodriguez. Those four all have one more year left. Those are all rotational guys that I doubt Mawalka comes back at this point, and it's college basketball, so other guys might transfer. But those guys could all come back, but it's only for one more season. The only real player I think you can look at and say, oh, that, that could be like your best player is Keyshawn Gilbert. And he does have three more years after this one if he wants to use his COVID year and all of that. But we've seen Keyshawn Gilbert very inconsistent this year. Maybe next year he's really good. Maybe the consistency hits and Keyshawn Gilbert's a star next year. But that's really the only one you can look at. And so Kruger has not had that level of consistency with his roster that Medved did. Because Medved did build it from year one to year four to actually get to the NCAA tournament. Kruger has gone quick fix both years. And normally, if you go quick fix like Eric Musselman, if you're good at it, you're in the NCAA tournament right away. Kruger has not been. So it is a very, very bad sign for the next three years of UNLV basketball that Kruger has not been to the NCAA tournament because it is very unlikely that he goes to the NCAA tournament based on recent history in this conference. Unless he wins four in four days. That would be very helpful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that would shut Tyler up. <laughs> no, then I just say it's not a real NCAA tournament bid. Yeah, come on. You get a 14 seed. That doesn't count. You know what would be funny? They win the Mountain West tournament. They get, get a 14 play-in. seed, oh. and they're the only Mountain West team to win a game. That would eh. be funny. If, like, San Diego State gets a 6 and loses, Nevada's a 9 and loses, loses. UNLV's a 14, and they pull off the upset of and, the 3. And they look around, and they go, why, why did everybody else lose? These guys were easy. <laughs> if we could have just been getting here the whole time, we'd be, we'd be, be fine. Big 12 team is a 3 seed. Yes. So, not a good sign. If you're going to be a good college basketball coach, usually you're going to show it 
right away. This whole idea of building for the future, it's not really reality. Normally, if you're good, we know right away that you're good. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, Ryan Wallace joins the show. When he's not covering the Knights, he's playing with his goats. One may even be named Ovechkin. This is the VGK Update with Ryan the Hockey Guy. Listen to him Monday through Friday at 4 on the VGK Insiders on Fox Sports Las Vegas. All right, Ryan, uh, I'm going to give you Jared Justice's theory. The Golden Knights, before the All-Star break, like couldn't score. It was, oh, God, they might not score 10 goals the rest of the season. Post-All-Star break. Five, five, and seven goals in each game. Jared thinks they just needed a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> needed to go to Hawaii. You couldn't just say Jared was right. You had to go with a one-word answer that I can't pull and use forever. Okay, hold on. Let me do that again. Yep, Jared was right. Good job, Ryan. Um, so what is, is there anything that's been noticeably different to you? Like, why has the offense gone from uh, they might never score again to they might never get shut out ever again? Well, goodness gracious, you're a jinx, Tyler. If only I believed in those things. Um, the main difference I'm seeing right now with the Golden Knights is simply they're able to get out of their own zone really efficiently, really cleanly, and they're not spending a lot of time defending. And when you're not spending 35, 40, 50, 60 seconds in your own zone just trying to get the puck back, uh, you have a little bit more energy when you're in the offensive zone. Now, uh, they did a lot of damage in Nashville and Minnesota on the rush, which is really where the Golden Knights' bread and butter is offensively. But against Anaheim, and you know you can do this because Anaheim's barely an NHL team, but against Anaheim, the Golden Knights found a lot of in-zone offense. They were able to create from below the goal lines, get the puck into the slot in really good spots. Um, but more than anything, I think it really stems from their ability to, to get the puck out of their own zone really quickly, really efficiently, and that's led to more, uh, more chances and more energy in the offensive zone. Are these the lines we should expect moving forward? Yeah, I don't see any reason to change them, right? Like, I, I mean, you know, you can look at, you know, maybe, maybe where the Golden Knights are at right now versus where they might be after the trade deadline, you, you know, whether or not you, you bring in, you buy some players and, and you know, uh, adjust the lineup as it is. But for right now, with, with no trades feeling imminent, um, I think this is essentially what Bruce Cassidy feels is the best combination, and it's working right now. Why does the Carrier-Stevenson-Kessel line work so well? They have been, I think they're the leaders in expected goals rate since the All-Star break. Like, yeah. what, what about that combination is so good? Okay, so like the way that you look at it, right, it doesn't feel like this line should work. Right. But individually, everybody's got speed. Like Phil Kessel has speed. Chandler Stevenson's got a motor. And Will Carrier has speed, too. What Will Carrier does is he's a driver of offense. We've seen it all throughout his tenure here with the Vegas Golden Knights. However, when Carrier was driving offense, a.k.a. bringing the puck to the front of the net, uh, Ryan Reeves is not the finisher Phil Kessel is, uh, is not the finisher Chandler Stevenson is, all of that. What Chandler Stevenson can do is he can hold on to pucks, he can buy time. And if you've got two guys that are going to be able to get to the front of the net like Will Carrier has throughout his entire career – and then you've got the idea, the, the thinking, the brain of Phil Kessel, who can allow things to happen around him and then put himself in the right spot amid all, amidst all the chaos to find an open puck in front of the net. Uh, you're going to get a lot of garbage goals for Phil Kessel, which you've seen. So really it's three parts complementing one another. If, if there's no play, Will Carrier is going to drive the puck hard to the front of the net. 
Bill Kessel's smart enough to understand that that's going to happen. He'll hang out, and then he'll pick up the, the scraps where they are. And then if you're in zone, Chandler Stevenson's going to hold on to pucks long enough to either work it back to the point, and then you've got Will Carrier in front of the net. And again, Bill Kessel reading off of both of those players. So it just works from, from that perspective, and it's not unlike – Bill Kessel with Carl Hagelin and Nick Bonino. It's very similar in terms of its structure as a line, and it's seemingly bringing out the best in Phil Kessel. We had this discussion before or earlier about if you have Patrick Kane sitting there at over $10 million, uh, is that a viable option, or would you, if you're the GM, say, you know what, we can go get a winger for cheaper and maybe a goalie if we think that Logan Thompson is going to be out for a long time? Like, which path would you take? And knowing the Golden Knights, they might take both and try to somehow – finagle it but which path would you take so i wouldn't go in on a goalie at all um to be honest with you i i don't think that you're going to find any type of upgrade i don't get the sense that you know, based on what we heard from bruce cassie i don't get the sense that logan thompson is going to be out for the rest of the regular season and if you go out you bring in a goalie all of a sudden that muddies the water uh, when logan thompson is healthy because you've already got three nhl goaltenders on your roster now you're going to have four and you could even make the argument five with Michael Hutchinson in the in the in the system too. So I don't think a goalie makes any sense. That's just me. I think there are more pressing issues. Uh, I would argue that the Golden Knights need forwards, and I would argue that as much as you're getting right now out of Michael Amadio, um, as as good as the lines have looked of late, it's always a, a benefit to have more options. Now, that being said, I know Patrick Kane garners a lot of interest. I don't think that that's the player the Golden Knights need. I think you need someone that's going to drive the net. I think you need someone that, that is able to um, put pucks in the back of the net so much as uh, more so than, than they're going to be able to set them up. I don't know that the Golden Knights need another playmaker. I think they need somebody that's going to crash the net and score goals the way that you have to do in the playoffs to win. So uh, Patrick Kane doesn't really move the needle for me. Um, I can understand why that would be a move the Golden Knights would make. Uh, but if it were me, I would not be all in on Patrick Kane. I think you got to look like around the edges. Uh, a Tyler Bertuzzi type makes a lot of sense to me. Timo Meyer would be the dream, but you got to give up a lot, and it's not a rental type of situation. So uh, I don't know how feasible that one's going to be or would be for the Golden Knights, but I would look around the edges. I would look to bring in a little bit more depth, and I'd look for players that, that will go to the net hard and it'd be kind of a pain in the ass to play against. Would you, um, as far as assets give up, would you be all in this trade deadline saying, yep, we'll give up the first round picks or, or whatever you want? Or is this a team that's maybe not quite that good that you would want to hold some of your better assets and find maybe a worse player at the deadline, but they don't cost you as much to give up uh, in terms of future assets? So I, it's really difficult to say because a lot of it hinges on Mark Stone and when he might be available, right? Like, do I think that this team's good enough to make the playoffs? Yes. Do I think with some supplementation, this team's going to be good enough to win a couple of rounds of the playoffs? Absolutely. Ultimately, though, I think they need Mark Stone in the lineup to win a Stanley Cup. And if I don't know that that's a possibility, like if I don't know that Mark Stone can come back round three or, or potentially in the Stanley Cup final, I'm not sure that you want to go completely all in. But at the same time, you're trying to win. And, and the goal every single year should be to win a Stanley Cup. If there's a player out there you think takes you over the edge without Mark Stone in the lineup, like maybe a team of Meyer would, then, yeah, I think you have to go for it. I think you've got to, to, to give it your best shot because I do think 
in general, this team is good enough to put you in a position that if you get a seat at the table, you can go all in. I, I don't think the Colorado Avalanche are as strong as they were, depending on what Dallas does at the deadline. Like, I think that's kind of the best team in the West right now outside of you know, where the Golden Knights ultimately could be at full health. So, in other words, I think the, the West is wide open. So, if you feel like there's a player out there that pushes you over the edge or can at minimum get you to a point in the playoffs where Mark Stone's able to come back, then all of a sudden the th- things change a bit. I don't know that you go crazy. I don't think you go and acquire Patrick Kane. Even I know I mentioned Timo Meyer a couple times. I don't know that you do that either. Uh, but I do think, you know, again, Tyler Bertuzzi type, maybe somebody down the lineup like Noel Achari, all of a sudden your depth looks a little bit better and you look like a team that should be able to get through a couple rounds in the playoffs. Those Patrick Kane reverse retro jerseys are going to sell pretty quickly, aren't they? Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have any fun Valentine's Day plans? Um, no, I, not, not really. Like we're going to, we're going to cook. Like we're going to do something fun. Like after I get off the show, we're going to, you know, make a, a nice fancy dinner for, for the kids and everything. But like, we're not, we're not like huge Valentine's day people. It's just not something that we, we go all in for. Neither am I. Get yourself a bag of sea suckers. Yeah. Ed apparently bought like <laughs> 40 pounds of suckers on accident. How on many accident. suckers do you have? A lot. I, I, well, she wanted to get them for me, Ryan, and I, I got over to C's to get her stuff, and I'm like, well, she hasn't been over here yet. I'm going to pick them up for her. Then she can just give them to me. And I got to the house, and she's like, oh, my God, I already got them. What's wrong with you? We've paid $60 for suckers. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 don't go, I don't go for the suckers at all. It's all about the chocolate, Ed. Like, I don't know what you're doing here. I know. I know. I'm a disaster. He is Ryan Wallace. You can hear him on the BGK Insider Show. What What's up, Jared? Are we going to ask him the question of the week? Does he Did he think it was a hold? Was it a, yeah, hold, was it a hold on James Bradbury in the Super Bowl? I don't know, dude. I, I don't. I don't watch any football outside of the Super Bowl. Like I don't. So know. you watch the Super yeah, Bowl? Yeah. The play. Should he have been in the box but, for two minutes? I mean, like I. I don't know. The the, the player himself said it was a hold. Like it, it, it's a penalty. Like, good, it job, it good job. Good job. Good answers, <laughs> Ryan. Got a dog in the fight. It doesn't matter to me. All right. He's Ryan Wallace, VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, guys. Uh, and Jared doesn't care about anything else that happens on this show because he's just ready to cut. Ryan saying Jared was right. Well, I also found out right before that he was not asked to help Chris Chapman move, so I was very disappointed. Yep, and Chapman move? I apparently was he, wasn't he supposed to help you? No, that was Demond. Demond was supposed oh. to help me move, and he didn't. No. Oh man, come on, Demond. He texted me after we had everything moved in. Do you still do you do you still need help? Oh, the worst. It's a hard ass moving. The yeah. worst, but if it's you're gonna hard ask, but if you say people. yes, you got to show up. Yeah, no. If you commit, you've got to show up. You don't usually should. You should not commit. Usually, at least find the excuse ahead of time to say sorry, man. Yeah. I can't do it. But man, did you have beds and dressers and stuff? Yep. Oof, those are hard. It's tough. Moving's tough. And bad knees. My wife continues to want to move to somewhere else in the town, and I just I look at how much stuff is in the house. I'm like. No chance I'm doing this. I never want to move again in my life. No, I, it, it, is, oh, it is brutal. Genuinely, after moving, I I basically went, you know what? I could just light all this on fire next time. <laughs> I'll just burn it down. <laughs> all right. We got tickets to give away. Uh, these are tickets to help Jared move. Uh, 
Actually, Chapman. And the phones yeah. just... <laughs> we have two tickets to the Mountain West Tournament. Uh, tickets to a session of the Mountain West Tournament. But you'll also be qualified to win two VIP all-session tickets. And that includes food, drinks, and parking worth 1500 bucks. So you'll win a pair of tickets to a t- uh, session of the Mountain West Tournament. You'll be entered to win the VIP uh, package there. 702-364-1100. That's the phone number if you want to win a pair of tickets to the Mountain West Tournament. The caller number 7 right now at 702-364-1100. We checked the analytical data at halftime and, and according to that data, you know, our sh- a defensive shot quality, we would have been number one in the league uh, because they were contested. You know, they moved the ball on some of them. Some of them uh, it was by design. Certain guys that we gave, you know, shifted even more off of, off the ball. You know, credit to them. They, they made me they made shots tonight, you know, 17 threes and a half. That's, that's incredible. You're locked in the press box. LeBron hasn't played since breaking Kareem's record. Well, he did it. Yeah, it's over. Is he just going to retire? Yeah, it's over. Well, no, he can't because Bronny's coming in a couple years. That's right. Can he take He's got to wait for Bronny. Can he take a year maybe, off? Maybe he can just take a gap year and uh, watch Bronny play college. Go with Aaron Rodgers into his yeah. darkness house. Is Aaron Rodgers going to talk? I don't know. It said that on SportsCenter. Rodgers speaks. Rodgers about to speak. He must be out of the dark house. But I thought he was going to be here for four, four days. Yeah. Has well, he not gone in it yet? Maybe that's the thing. Maybe he hasn't gone in yet. Oh, my God. He's going to drag out how long it's going to take him to go into the dark house, isn't he? <laughs> and he's still not going to say anything until oh, he gets out. Man. This guy. Just put on the Packers jersey and let's go. I'm surprised. When's he going to do like a college football recruit hat picking? <laughs> At a table, yeah, just set Raiders, down a bunch of hats. Packers, Jets. Maybe that's what he's going to do in the dark house. He's not going to know which hat it is, and he's going to pick one and just let fate decide. And he's walk out and he's going to look, yeah. take the hat off and look at it and say Jets. He's going to be blinded when he walks outside. Oh, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about there's got to be certain ways they bring you out. It's almost like in a coma. I was going to say they I bring don't... you out of a coma. Like he's going to be brought out of like a darkness coma. I don't even like it when it's dark in my garage and I open it and the sun's shining. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's going to be in a house for four days. No, there's got to be no. ways they bring you out slowly. I... <sighs> right? They don't bring you right into the sun. Well, okay. That's that's one factor of him just being like, I've I've blinded myself. Let me go play quarterback. <laughs> I think Charles brought up the best point of, the last thing you want to be when you're taking like heavy psychoactive drugs is by yourself. You want to be around people so that you could, if you're like freaking out, man. Right. No, there's somebody behind a two way mirror that watches him and gives him food. So this thing could have, he could have done it, lasted 12 hours and gone, yeah, no, nah, yeah. I, I yeah, that's my, maybe that's why he's speaking. Oh, there you go. But <laughs> shedding light on Rogers, shedding light. Ooh, that is a good. That man. is a, that's a good. That's good tease. Is, is that a lower third or a Chiron? No, that's, that's a lower third. Yeah, that is. I the people on first take that write their little uh, headline things that right. they put on the TV when they're talking about different guys. Oh, they're good. They're good. I I hope that's somebody and that's their only job. Like I know it's probably somebody oh. that has six responsibilities, and they're like, "Hey, think of something creative to put on the TV." But I, I hope First Take just has a guy designated to yeah. writing funny puns to put on the TV, like shedding light on Rogers. That would be the ultimate not like, easy. TV writer's job. Is you're just in a conference room all day, just like, 
Now, come on, guys. We need a pun about MJ. It's, it's not easy. And writing headlines, if you're creative and do it well, because you have to, like newspaper business, well, you have to fit a certain... You have to fit a certain space, and when you can get that, when you can get that headline in there, that's really creative. That will always be the thing that I'm disappointed in the American press with is that our headlines don't rhyme. They don't rhyme. The British press, every single headline must be like, must have like an iambic pentameter to it, and it must imply something salacious. Oh, you want to know what annoys me about British people? Why can't they just use normal phrases? So what? Yesterday, I told you about the referees that blew the offsides right. calls. They, the VAR refs that yeah. didn't didn't They're put the sacked. lines down. No, they didn't even use the word sacked. Well, because they didn't get fired. Oh, one of the guys that screwed it up is he's got taken off of any games he was going to work this weekend. The phrasing that I saw was Lee Mason stood down <laughs> for this weekend's game. I had to click on the story to know what the hell stood. I thought I knew what it meant, but I was like, I don't know what stood down means. So Tyler is playfully jingoistically being like other cultures. That's our culture. What does stood down mean? If I said, hey, Jared got stood down yesterday. You'd be like, you'd be looking at me like, I'd what the no, hell I'd does no that idea mean? What that means with Jared. Did he fall no asleep standing up? <laughs> I have no idea what that means. Yeah, Nobody knows stood, what that means. Stood implies one direction, down another. So right? I guess it doesn't make any sense. But that's apparently how you say he's been suspended for the weekend or removed from the job. Nope, he stood down.